Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Our topic today is It Ain't About That. Uh, God spoke to me in the beginning of the year and said that this would be a year. Of course, I've told you before, I really wish I could just take time and take you through my entire journey that started in the first quarter of this year. Um, but it is my responsibility of leadership, uh, exemplified by Moses. He went to the mountain, had an encounter with God, and then lived his life to take people to that mountain. And I have been to the mountain and had an encounter with God. Continual encounters since July the 3rd. Uh, And he is turning my world upside down. And now it's my job, my goal, my passion to come back and get you and take you with me. Uh, And Moses would not relent. He said, I'm not leaving anybody behind. I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. And he told me in December that this, there would be a paradigm shift in the body of Christ in which we're seeing right now across the nation globally. I know you're stuck, we're stuck in our little world, but in conversations across the land right now, there's a great paradigm shift in the religious mindsets of the body of Christ. And he spoke to me early in the year and said, I can't put new wine in old wineskins. So first I got to make new the wineskin. And then I'm going to pour out new wine. Y'all look back there at all them good-looking teenagers. Y'all stand up. Let's look at y'all. Every one of y'all. Oh, son, Eli. Eli is straight. Huh? Come on, somebody. You still a teenager? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Matter of fact, be praying for them because they're having their their back-to-school revival begins uh, Saturday. Uh, just expecting a great time. And every one of you teenagers is going to bring a friend, ain't you? Or do y'all have friends? Oh, I feel you, Canaan. <laughs> Reach out to them. Get them there. We believe for a powerful weekend. Matter of fact, I think Josh is keeping their speaker over, uh, which is um, uh, a real dear friend of mine. Young man will be staying over for Saturday morning to preach. I'm at Sunday morning, Uh, so we'll be glad to introduce you to him. So God spoke to me and said, I didn't know in January what he was talking about, but he did tell me that I am about to renew the wineskins for what's about to be poured out. And he's doing that. And uh, today I'm going to try to present the gospel to you uh, in doctrinal form that really flips this thing upside down and gets it right. Because you see, I'm afraid the religious mindset has made this whole thing about sacrifice. Amen. And Jesus paid a really big price to do away with the sacrificial system so that you could, by faith, enjoy the supreme sacrifice. He spoke to me in prayer the other day and said, you keep making about your sacrifice. And he said, it's about my sacrifice. And, and, and I'm going to try to unfold it to you today in a way that I hope you can get a, get, a, get a hold to it. So let's go to the scripture and write down my title, It Ain't About That. Religion has made it about something that it's not about at all. Just like love. Love ain't about sacrifice. Now, you're going to have to listen to me because you may be thinking love is full of sacrifices, but I have come to the conclusion there is no sacrifice in love. It's not a sacrifice for me to come home to my wife. It's not a sacrifice for me to spend time with my wife. It's not a sacrifice for me. Are you listening to me? Why? Because I'm in love with her. And what others may call sacrifice is really reasonable, desirable activity. So we brought an Old Testament system into the New Testament. And we're still trying to perform to be loved. 
That if I can perform enough and sacrifice enough, God will look down upon me and love me maybe, amen, and do some things for me when it is the further. It ain't about that. It's about the love of a loving father who is from the beginning created man so he could spend time with him. It's encounter after encounter with an almighty God. I'm going to teach you today that I found out you cannot by study know God. Let me try this side over here. Latoya, you with me? I said you cannot, you cannot by study know God. You can know about God but you cannot know God. You can only know God by encounter with God. Amen. And that's what God wants is encounters with his children. So will you, will you, will you stay with me for about 40, 45 minutes? Um, my, my text that I've been working on, we're not going to go there. You're going to go to the book of Revelations chapter number 2. But Jason's going to go to 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 just to remind you of the preface of the text that we've been working on. Examine who? Help me somebody. Religion examines everybody else. <laughs> Religion is so judgmental and dogmatic it's built a great gulf between the God of love and the sinner who needs to be loved. Amen. Because religion examines everybody else and compare, And you only judge other people when you're really judgmental about yourself. Somebody help me preach. Don't leave me hanging today, amen. I said you can tell how hard you are on yourself by how hard you are on other people. And it makes us feel good in religious mindsets when I can compare myself among ourselves and come out the better person. But the problem with that mindset is it produces extreme condemnation when you better me. Amen. That's what religion does. So he said, there comes a time where we have to stop and examine ourselves. Examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. Maybe you're not even in the faith. Maybe you're in religion. And oh, I could just testify of the hours of repentance I've been in with encounters of God, realizing that I've been in so much religion and not the faith, the New Testament faith. Of Jesus Christ. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know for your own self how that Christ lives in you. Religion has to have everybody else telling me I'm good and telling me Christ lives in you and telling me all right. And if you're trying to convince me of something, I must not be what you're trying to convince me that I am. But when God speaks it into you, it changes your life forever. No, you're not your own selves that Christ dwells in you, except you be, I don't like that word, uh, uh, it translates, lest you be a counterfeit. Amen. Now, I know this, this might seem hard to you, but I've been taking it personally. It could be possible that you're a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't an old man, amen place. That was an ouch place. A hypocrite. I, I know religion is always calling everybody else hypocrites. But I've been examining myself and I found out where I'm a hypocrite in some things, some things. Oh, I don't mean I live double lives or I'm this guy one time and this the other. I mean, I was hypocritical because I was coming to God on performance instead of relationship. Hypocrite. You might be a hypocrite. And don't, would you look over to your neighbor and tell him, you might be a hypocrite. <laughs> Whoa, I got you stirred up now. Huh? You might be. You might be. He, he Jesus spoke to the that church in Revelation and said, you think you're rich and increase of good and have need of nothing? You don't even know how wretched you are. You don't even know how blind you are. I am not starting this off on a good note. Let's go to the book of Revelations. Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Josh taught me to quit saying revelations. Chapter number two, verse number one. This is Jesus himself speaking. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, 
<coughs> excuse me, and walks in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. Seven stars in his right hands are the messengers, more than likely the pastors of the seven churches. The seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches of Asia. And Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's walking in the midst of the churches and I hold the ministers of my gospel in my hand. He said, I know your works, church, and your labor. I know all the things you're doing, but it ain't about that. I know your works and your labor and your patience, how you cannot stand those that are evil. And you have even tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them out. You have borne and have patience. You have, you've, you've got endurance that is out of this world. And for my name's sake, you, you, you work tirelessly. You're busy about the Father's business. And you have not been fainted. You have not fainted. You have been busy, busy, busy. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I do have somewhat against thee. Somebody read it out loud. Because. Because you have left. You didn't leave the works. You didn't quit the activity. You've been faithful as all get out. And you're exposing everybody that ain't as holy as you. You're busy, 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 busy. But I got a problem. And look at this next scripture. Verse number five. Remember from whence thou art fallen. And repent. And do your first works or I'm going to come and I'm going to remove the candlestick out of its place except you change your mind. Somebody shout it out loud. It ain't about that. I want to talk to you this morning. I believe today I will give you a definition of faith. Can anybody give me a definition of faith? Faith is so vast, so mysterious, and so great I just believe it's one of those words that's hard to define, like the kingdom, which reminds me tonight, VIP meeting in my house, 5 o'clock. That means everybody's welcome, which is, which is after the kingdom of God, as many as I can hold anyway. Come on, 5 o'clock. What was I saying? Faith. And most people, Branson, when you ask them to define faith, they'll quote Hebrews 11, chapter number 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith, that's not a definition of faith. That's how faith works. Amen. Uh, it's, it's like trying to describe money. Uh, it's easier to describe what money will do than to describe money itself. But I went to the mountain with God. And I believe he gave me a definition of what faith really is like I've never seen in 36 years of of being saved and in ministry, and today I'm going to drop that into your spirit. But I want to start off with taking, talking about relational capital. Has anybody ever heard the term relational capital? If you've been around me and in my leadership, you have, because I talk about it a lot. First of all, stay with me. I'm going to lay a foundation, and we're going to go somewhere. Capital. Capital, by definition, is wealth in the form of money or other assets owned by a person available for a particular purpose, such as starting a company or investing in a greater cause. But if you're like me and, and, and don't really have enough money to invest, my capital takes on a little different definition. My capital is money you have deposited to hold you through the tough times. Is that more relatable to some of y'all? That's your capital. That's something you deposited, you have it, and you can draw from it if and when you need to. Well, based on that, relational capital is an invisible account. 
Amen. It's an invisible account. Lee, Lee it's so good to see you. Mary Ann, let's just give God some praise. They, they gave their hearts to God, and, and he's going to work. I miss you guys. Miss you. Good, he, he's back for a little while. But relational cap, uh, 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 relational capital is an invisible account. You're gonna, it's going to make sense. Stay with me. Into which you and a friend or a spouse have made deposit after deposit after deposit by relational activity. Every time we're together, we're, we're making a deposit in our relational capital. And the more you and I get to know one another, the more relational capital we have with one another. Huh? Am I making sense to you? The, the more we, time we spend together, the more relational capital we have. And the, and the reason relational capital is so important is because in any close relationship, hard times are going to come. Can I get a witness? Y'all sure are quiet. In any relationship, amen, you, you show me a marriage where there's never a fight, and I'll show you a marriage where one of them is a wimp. He don't say nothing. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. They're going to be trouble. Trouble's going to come to, to any marriage. What are you laughing about, Cody? We're going to have differences with one another. We're going to butt heads with one another. Amen. It's going to happen because, you see, there's going to be times that, that you do things I just don't understand. Not only do you do things I don't understand... I don't know why I keep focusing on Michael. No, you do things I don't like. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but because we are so close, we have enough relational capital that when I don't understand, I can reach into the relational capital I have with you and say, I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, but I know you. <laughs> and it helps me get through times I don't understand because there's been deposit after deposit made and we have relational capital with one another. Somebody shout amen if you follow me, ain't that? Even though I don't like what you're doing, I can draw from my capital and love and forgive anyway. Now, we call a lot of people friend. I get a lot of friend requests on my phone. And I get a lot of friend requests from people I really don't know. So when they're asking me to be friend, I look down and see if we have a mutual friend. Do y'all do that? And if we have a mutual friend... I think, well, okay, we can be friends. I don't know them, but I'm your friend because you know them and I know you. Religion is the mutual friend between a lot of people and God. I don't know you personally, but, I, <laughs> but my preacher knows you. Y'all got to pray for me today. Uh, and we call everybody friend with no relational capital all whatsoever. So I have to be a friend to you based on the relational capital I have with somebody else. Multitudes are sitting in the body of Christ today with no real friendship with God that we only are connected to God by a mutual friend that we hear preach every Sunday morning. You might be religious. If all you know about God is what your mutual friend told you about God. 
Oh, is this not what Jesus was dealing with when he started to build the church? He said, I will not build this church on mutual friendship. I want to know who do people say that I am. Oh, well, let me pull up my friend and I'll find out what religion says about you. I'll, I'll find out what, how religion says you love and mercy. Amen. And I don't have an experience with you, but I can tap into this mutual friend called religion. Amen. And tell you... Uh, some say you're Elijah, they told Jesus. Some say you're a prophet. Some say this. But Jesus stopped it all and said, who do you say that I am? Jesus is saying today, I'm sick and tired of mutual friendship. I want to be one with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I do not want you to read my bio and never meet me. Oh, my God. Somebody help me right there. Because I have come to the conclusion by experience, you can never know God by study alone. You can know about God, but never know God. Know God. That's why so many people can be so knowledgeable in the scripture and so judgmental on the other side. That's the reason some people, amen, can quote you scripture and verse and address and everything about it. Amen. Are you listening to me? It's because you can know all about God but never encounter God. Amen. And then scriptures become stones in your hand that you're always wanting to stone somebody who was caught into adultery. Amen. Until they're brought to Jesus. And Jesus says, woman, I don't condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. We're, 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 we're making new wineskins today. Can we go deeper? Can we go deeper? I'm afraid that so many of us, and until you're able to ask God, I told God I can't even teach this stuff because everybody thinks they know God. Now, 100% of us sitting in this building right now assume we know God. When, when, when in reality, I came to the conclusion in me, I knew more about God than I knew God. Until I begin to encounter him. The Bible says true worshipers will not only worship him in our knowledge of him, but we will worship him in the truth and the spirit. It changes everything. Amen. So some of us know religion and religion says you're okay. So God, you're okay with me. The problem with that is I have no relational capital with you. So when things start happening, I don't understand I have a falling out with God. Can I tell you something this morning? Oh, it's going to be deep today. Just hang in there. Real friendship can only be determined when you're having to operate from capital because your current assets have been depleted. There always comes a time in serving God where your assets will be depleted. Everything you see in the natural is depleted. Thank you, Jen. I said, everything you see in the natural is de de depleted. Everything that, 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 that makes sense is totally gone. There's nothing else to draw from. My emotional account is depleted. I'm going to work this thing today, amen. Are uh, you listening to me? My account that I draw from to praise and worship is totally depleted, uh, amen, because I do not understand why I'm in this condition. But the good thing about knowing God, amen, the thing, good thing about relational capital is, amen, even when I'm depleted here, I can reach into my relational capital and I can draw from, oh, here's that anchor right there. I can reach into, my history with God. I can reach into my history with God. I mean, I know me and Patty is apparently the perfect couple. I mean, we just fit. She's pretty. I'm good looking. She's smart. I'm But can I tell you something right now? Sometimes me and her get depleted in our relationship. And we have nothing to lean on but history. Relational capital. I mean, I'm mad right now. I can't talk to you right now. I don't really want to look at you right now. 
y'all, y'all sit there and you'll sanctify. Look, she's sitting back there like. You feel me, brother? Huh? I, 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 I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear your voice. <laughs> Easily. I don't, I don't want to see your face. I don't want to look at you right now. But don't worry. My marriage is not in trouble because we got history. We have spent enough time making enough deposits that when I have nothing right now to draw from, I can reach into my relational capital and love her anyway. She can reach into our relational capital and trust me anyway. She can reach into relational capital and forgive me when her feelings and emotions are screaming something else. My God, I'm going somewhere. I'm defining faith right now. I don't know if you've caught it yet or not. Amen. I mean, when my feelings are totally depleted at this moment, don't worry. I can reach into this unseen account and start pulling from something that I can't see right now. I can't feel right now. It seems impossible right now, but I've been making deposits. We've been spending time together. It's called relational capital. Now, I'm going to give you the definition of what faith is. You better write it down. The true definition of faith is relational capital. Never heard it before, never seen it. Does it make sense? The, the, the true definition of faith is relational capital with God. Faith is the fruit of relational capital with God. In other words, your faith cannot supersede your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you. Please get this. Oh my. And your personal relationship with God cannot supersede your personal knowledge of God. Amen. And I'm not saying, I'm talking about sitting in the church every week. Amen. Listening to a friend talk about a friend. Amen. If that would work, we would be the most powerful people on the planet. Amen. Faith is, 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 uh, is, is relational. Uh, I just lost my word. Capital. Amen. Faith is the fruit of knowing God. Faith don't have to be worked up. Faith don't have to be worked up. It's my history with God. And because I've had encounters with God, I've met God. I'm not talking about shaking some preacher's hand. I'm talking about a personal encounter with God that I have on a regular basis. Amen. This is where faith comes from. Amen. Your personal relationship with God cannot supersede your knowledge of God, your personal knowledge of God. You cannot truly know God and not have faith. You can know about God and be faithless, but you can't meet God and stay faithless. Oh my God, help me, Holy Ghost. You, 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 can, you can read your Bible and not have faith. You can hear a sermon preached and not have faith, but you cannot encounter God and not have faith. You cannot encounter God and not trust Him. It's impossible. Why? Because when you encounter him, you encounter his nature and his character. And it starts burning up the lack of trust. Amen. And then even, uh, even when I can't understand what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing, my encounters with him lets me know his goodness is beyond my understanding and I can trust him. Oh, that child may not understand what mom and daddy's doing or why they say saying no or why they discipline in this area, why they're doing this. But because of relational capital, they trust mom and daddy's love for them. You can't encounter God and not know love because God is love. You can encounter religion and be hard and cruel and judgmental. But you cannot encounter God and not love. You can't encounter Him and not trust. You cannot truly know God 
and not have faith. Let me put it this way. Your faith will always be. Are y'all with me this morning? Let me put it this way. Your faith will always be in direct proportion to your personal, personal intimate knowledge of God. Always. It cannot supersede it. So listen to this. If you want greater faith, all you have to do is make more relational deposits with the Father. And somebody said, oh, that means more study time. That means yeah, our mind, work with me now. It goes straight to religion. I got to do this and I got to do that. Somebody shout it with me. It ain't about that. It ain't about that. Is it the fruit of a relationship? Absolutely, but it's not the root. When activity becomes the root of relationship, you're steeped in religion. Because then it's my performance that makes you love me and accept me. Somebody shout new wineskins. I said, if you want greater faith, all you got to do is to make more relational deposits with the Father. And right here, here we go. Right now, I want you to be careful. Be careful right here because that spirit of religion that's in you is going to do an assessment right here and say, oh, I have a relationship with God. I am devoted. And Jesus said, yeah, I know your works. I, I, I study on a regular basis. I pray on a regular basis. I read my Bible. I pay my tithe. I, 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 amen. And because we deem religious activity as the love for God. We judge our love for God by our religious activity. Oh, I'm just going to work it today. I'm just going to work it today. Amen. We deem study as knowing God. And Jesus told them in the book of John to the religious bunch. He said, you search and keep on searching and examining the scripture. Because in them you think you have eternal life. And yet those scriptures are testifying to me. And I'm standing right here. And you're pouring into scripture. Amen. And passing up an opportunity to have an experience with me. An encounter with me. It's so easy to go after the religious activity. Can I tell you something? Hey, man, you teenagers just going to close your ears, be with me, whatever. Is all our kids gone? Hey, man, religious activity is no more sign of love as sex is a sign of love. The activity looks the same, but the approach is totally different. Galatians 5 and 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, oh my God, get this scripture. Look on your screen. For if we are in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Religious activity don't mean nothing. Amen? All the religious activity means nothing. If we're in Jesus, religious activity means nothing but only faith that is activated and expressed and working through. The activity can look the same, but the motive can be totally different. Amen. Are, are you following me now? I said the activity looks the same. So the sum total of all Christendom is a faith that's inspired by relational capital. Oh, I hear the heart of God calling his church back to him and saying, my God, you've made it about everything you can do. You've made it about all your sacrifices. And the problem with sacrifices is they become a badge of honor. Sacrifice becomes a badge of honor, a trophy that we can lift in the air. Amen. And say, this is the proof I've loved God. And that same trophy begins, becomes the shrine that we fall down to and worship because I pray this much and I study. God, are y'all hearing me? And I do this and I do that. Amen. And it becomes, uh, it, it becomes the God we worship because really I'm the one on that pedestal being worshiped instead of God. And God spoke to me and said, you've made it about your sacrifice when it's really about my sacrifice. I'm afraid we've come to believe that religious sacrifice is the litmus test of love and relationship with God. But I come to show you today, it ain't even about that. It ain't even about that. This is scripture I found. I don't know that I've ever seen this scripture. It's in Jeremiah 7, 22. Even in the Old Testament, in the sacrificial systems, listen to, listen to the heart of God in this scripture. God is saying through the old weeping prophet Jeremiah, 
He said, for in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt. From the beginning, this is the very first encounter with God coming out of Egypt. He said, in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. God said, let's go all the way out to the beginning. When I met you, my first conversation wasn't, what are you going to give me? My first conversation with you was, okay, I want you to sacrifice this and sacrifice that. He said, even in the Old Testament, Fluky, my relationship with you wasn't based on your sacrifices. He said, when I brought you, I didn't talk to your fathers or command them concerning offerings and sacrifice. But this thing I did say, listen to me, obey my voice, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, we'll walk together in all the way that I command you so it could be well with you. Oh, my God, are you hearing the heart of our Father even in the Old Testament? He said, man, go back to the beginning. Go back to your first love. Go back to the original of your fathers. Y'all are so wrapped up in sacrifices and walking around saying, I killed 10 lambs today and I, I did this devotion today. He said, don't you see, I didn't even talk to the fa- your, your forefathers about this. All I talked to them about was, I want to be so close to you that I take you by the hand and I walk with you in life every day so it can be well with you. Is anybody hearing me preach today? Amen. And you've turned it into some religious bloody system. And I'm afraid that 99.9% of us in this building have been guilty and are guilty of the same thing and forfeited a relationship. Can you hear the heart of a loving father say, you've made it about you. You've made it about your sacrifice. And now you're carrying a heavy burden trying to sacrifice enough to get clean. You're trying to sacrifice enough to get pure. You're trying to sacrifice enough to get holy. He said, when really, if you'll get close to me, my presence will burn it out of you. Oh, somebody say, that's good news to me. You mean I ain't got to fast three times this week, amen? Oh, you listen to me, I ain't got to jump through hoops and do that? He said, no, just take me by the hand. You're trying to walk out your deliverance when if you'll take me by the hand, my love for you will burn up what you've been struggling with. Somebody say, this is the good news. But we forfeited that relationship it ain't about that. God said, I just wanted to be like a father that took you by the hand. I just always wanted relationship. That's the way it was with Adam. I just wanted to hang out with Adam. And in the New Testament, he said, I wanted to be with you so bad, I killed my son. I sacrificed my son so I could be with you. And you want to forfeit that for some religious activity. Oh, my God. I pray repentance comes in this place today. God said you made it about the sacrifices you, you offer me. You've made it all about your religious duty. You've made it all about your performance. Because we're a bunch of little love-starved children running around needing to be loved by a heavenly father. But because of messed up relationships and a messed up great-great-great-great-grandfather named Adam, amen, we think I got to perform, amen, and do everything just right or my God ain't going to love me no more. Are you kidding me? While you were a heathen and a God-hater, he hung his son on a cross and said, I'll show you. I'll show you. God commended his love for us that while I was a sinner, he still died for me. And why is it now we think we got to perform to be loved? I want to help somebody he loves you in spite of yourself he can't love you no more he can't love you no less Uh, I ain't telling you to live like a heathen but even when you're bad I got some bad kids Josh used to be a bad kid amen he ain't always been good he still ain't worth the flip but uh, he ain't all but it never diminished my love for him Oh, some of you just need to get that revelation right there right now so you can relax God ain't mad at you He still loves you. Religion don't. Religion will hate you if you don't perform right. They'll be standing there with stones saying, the word says we can kill them. God, I'm preaching better than you. The stone says we can kill her. 
because she's a heathen. I can tell by looking in her eyes. This is a heathen right here, Jesus, and I got the word to back me up. Religion will stand with a word in one hand and a rock in the other, and it's always ready to kill. But Jesus will hover over the top of me. Oh, somebody help me. Ain't you glad, Anita? Jesus will hover over the top of me and say, Oh, no. Oh, no. There ain't no condemnation in my love. There may be some correction, but there ain't no condemnation in my love. I'm afraid that we have fallen in the same mindset as the church of Ephesus. Jesus said, I know your works. I know your labor. You're so faithful. And your faithfulness has become a source of pride for you. And you're walking around. You're the one, we're the one in the temple saying, standing there before God, I'm so glad I'm not like her. Remember that? I'm so glad I'm not like them. <laughs> I'm so glad I, I, I'm not blowing it all the time like them. But me, I fast twice a week. Amen. Jesus is standing looking at this church in Ephesus saying, I, I see you. I see your works. I see your faithfulness. I see your dedication. I see everything you think is the high ground. He said, but I really got something I need to talk to you about because I got a problem with you. And the problem is, amen, you've lost what it was all about in the first place. Love. We can't love them properly until we get this love properly. Then you'll quit driving down the road talking about them people. Those. I was thinking when Jennifer was giving her little speech, <laughs> you better be ready if you come next Sunday night because if all of them comes that's, that will probably come, I'm telling you, you're going to go into religious convulsions. I'm talking tattoos and gauges and, and, and just all that stuff that you have deemed a sin. And if they're doing that, God don't love them and they don't love God. Amen. But just stand back there and watch a minute because their worship will make you ashamed of yourself. Somebody help me. right? I said, you, 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 you better get ready for the ones he's going to bring in here. He said, but I got something against you. You left your first love. Remember from whence thou hast Fallen. That's what caught me. Remember from which now, to fall means to move rapidly from a high place to a low place. In other words, your religious activity, all your sacrifices is not the high ground. According to Jesus, all your religious activity is not the high ground. That's the high ground of religion. Amen. We, we may consider all of our religious activities and sacrifices as the high ground of our relationship with God. But Jesus considers love and intimate relationship with our Father the high ground that we have fallen from. He said, stop it. Stop it. How many of us on a daily basis, I have repented so much lately, have deemed it a sacrifice to read my Bible? I have deemed it a sacrifice for prayer time. I have deemed it a sacrifice. And God spoke to me that sacrifice by definition means giving up the greater for the lesser. So if your prayer time is a sacrifice, if your Bible study, if you're hanging out with Jesus is a sacrifice that you're proud of, you're saying, I'm giving up something greater to spend time with the lesser. And his name is Jesus. Yeah, this is where I've been. In other words, there is no sacrifice when he is always the greater. It's, 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 it's no challenge. When, when my love for him is pure, and I understand his love for me, then I'm not giving up something to spend time with him. I'm counting it as a privilege and an honor. Amen. And it's not a sacrifice because everything else is inferior to a superior relationship with God. Somebody looks at your neighbor and tell them you might be religious. 
I ain't the only one in this building and I know it. And, and, and I thought this is the way it's supposed to be until I begin to encounter God. And then all of a sudden, those things that were in competition with God became so inferior. There's no competition. And it's certainly no sacrifice. Listen to this scripture. Oh, this is going to help somebody. I'm going to, Psalms 51, I'm going to do it out of, out of a different translation I don't usually use. But Psalms 51 and 16 says, I didn't give it to you, Jason. But listen to this scripture. David, a repentant David says, <clears throat> For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance. Oh, God, there it is. Y'all, look at it with your own eyes. David, an Old Testament guy, had this thing right. He said, God, what makes you happy is not my performance or the sacrifices I can offer you. You got another one? Give me 17. It's good, too. Somebody needs to get this before he finds 17 for the soul. He said, but the fountain... Of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. Oh, somebody shout. You will not despise my tenderness as I humble down at your feet. Oh, I thought I needed to be in a public place saying a long prayer. But he said, I, I, I thought I needed to be performing to make you happy. But David said, I found out, God, you ain't even happy at all in performances. You're just happy with me coming before you. Say, you know what, God, I blew it. I blew it. Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? Would you draw me close to you? Am I helping anybody yet? Am I revealing any religiosity in anybody yet? He said in Hosea, I desired mercy and not sacrifice. I desired love and compassion, not sacrifice. He said, I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than all your burnt offerings. All I wanted from the beginning is to be in a relationship with you. I wanted you to know me, not by mutual friends. I wanted you to know me and me know you from the very beginning. That's, that's all I ever wanted is to know you. Jesus even preached this sermon. He reached in the text of Hosea and brought this sermon in Matthew and said, he told that religious bunch, go and learn what this means. I will have love and compassion and mercy and not sacrifice. And he said, when you learn it, you will not be so judgmental. Wow. Go learn, he said. You religious bunch can quote the scripture. You pay tithe of mint and and cumin and all of this. You're so detail-oriented and so faithful. Amen. He said, but you've left out the most important thing. It ain't even about all of that. It's about a relationship with me. Go learn. So I want to meet in my house for the rest of this year. Amen. So we're learning what the kingdom really is. We're learning who he really is. Hear me, believer. believer, Do not settle for the low road of religiosity or religious activity over the high ground of an encounter with God. Don't, Don't settle. As sanctified and sacred and holy as Bible study is, it's a waste of time if I don't encounter him in that Bible. Oh, did you hear what I just said? Amen. You might well stop that Bible study. Stop it. You ever think you hear your preacher say stop reading the Bible? Stop reading it until you can examine yourself and come to it in a proper mindset. Because it can't breathe in you if we're coming to him from a religious mindset of, well, got that done. Had be like me walking out the door to come to work. Walking by my wife and giving her a kiss. So, well, got that done. You know what my wife would say? Don't worry about getting that done no more. <laughs> if that's the check, are y'all okay out there? If that's just the check that we're checking, we've been duped by religion and forfeited relationship. Can I go a little deeper and get you out before 12? Let me tell you what. Paul wrote about the low ground of religion. Remember he said, man, you've fallen. What do you mean fallen? I've taken religion to the next level. Oh, no, he said, you have fallen from the high ground of a real relationship with me. You're working too hard. I want to do it for you. 1 Corinthians 13, 
listen at the low ground of religion. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a, I'm a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand mysteries, all knowledge. Though I have all faith I, that I can remove mountains and I don't have love, I'm nothing. See the low ground of religion and the high ground of relationship with God? Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, and I don't have love, it does not profit anything. There is nothing no more disappointingly unprofitable than religion. Nothing. Because it's always giving and never getting anything in return. You can only live that way so long. And you sure can't have joy living that way. But that writer down in verse number 13 says, There remains faith, hope, and, and the greatest of these three graces is what? Thank God you got all that. Thank God you're giving all that. Thank God you're doing all that. But he said, I'm going to tell you what now. The greatest grace that you're ever going to possess is love. The love of God. When they asked Jesus, what is the high ground of Christianity? He said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this scripture rocks my world. Listen to it. It says, on these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. What a statement. He said, every prophetic utterance that was ever given, every, every jot and tittle of the law is hanging on a nail that holds it all up. And you know what that nail is? Love. Love. He said, you take love away and every prophecy falls to the ground. All the law falls to the ground. The whole New Testament falls to the ground. My God, somebody hear me? Amen. He said, everything hangs on two commandments. In other words, if you get these two right, you'll break no commandment. You may sacrifice and grit your teeth and not kill and not steal, but you're still bound by a murderous spirit and a spirit of a thief. But he said, if you fall in love with God... You're going to love people. And he said, faith works by love. He whom the sun sets free. Am I making sense? He whom the sun sets free is really free. Religious folks ain't free. They're just not operating in sin. Just not operating in sin. He said, that's, that's the high ground. The Old Testament, look at that. The Old Testament, he said, is hanging on the nail of relationship. And the New Testament is built on the foundation of relationship. Because Jesus said, who do you say that I am? I know you. You're Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. He said, that's the foundation I can build my kingdom on. And guess what? The gates of hell cannot prevail against a church whose foundation is built on a love relationship with Jesus Christ. The devil cannot destroy you, Lindsay Stowe, if you're standing on the foundation of a personal, intimate relationship with God. I'm telling you, all hell can come against you in any form or fashion. Amen. And you may not understand what's going on, but if you are founded on relational capital, he said the gates of hell cannot deter you. You can't make me not love my wife. Now, it's hard to find a more beautiful woman than Patty Sue. She hates that second name. I didn't do it to you. Your mama did it. But if I did, she ain't got to worry. It don't matter what comes up on my Facebook. It don't matter what comes up on my computer. It don't matter who throws what at me. I am rooted in a love that runs deeper and is superior to anything out there. So I'm not walking around with blinders on. Religion says put on blinders. Am I helping anybody? Amen. And, and can I tell you, that's not freedom. 
That's not freedom if I got to have blinders on so that I am not tempted or talked into doing something I shouldn't be doing. I'm anchored in love for God and his love for me. He spoke to me the other day and said, when does our relationship go from discipline to desire? I understand when a kid's starting off, you discipline him to train him. But there comes a time when he starts operating in, in love relationship and he just starts, are you listening to me, operating in what he's... We got Christians been saved for 20 years that still disciples and never have become apostles. Disciples are just boy students that have to have a tutor over us all the time. He said, when is church going going to quit being a discipline and start becoming... I was glad! When they, somebody help me. I know I'm preaching on relationship. When is it going to quit being, I sacrificed my golf today. I sacrificed my hunting today. I sacrificed my fishing today. So God ought to be proud of me. Somebody shout, forgive me, Jesus. When is it going to go from sacrificial offerings to, I can't wait to be in the presence of God. Somebody shout, something's wrong. And we're okay with it. And I'm presenting a doctrine to you right now where Jesus said, you're doing all that stuff. I don't want that stuff. He said, get that, get that thing out of my house. I want you. I want you. In Philippians chapter number three, I got about four minutes. Paul starts giving his religious resume. He said, if anybody has grounds for bragging, it's me. I'm this, I'm that. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Sacrifice. I'm at circumcised on the eighth day. He said, I was taught by Gamaliel. He says, far as zeal, there was none more zealous than me. Far as righteousness, I was blameless according to the law. He said, all of this. And then the next scripture he says, but all of those things I counted lost for Christ. Because they puffed me up instead of lifting him up. Oh, somebody help me. He said, I count all things for loss for the superior knowledge of who Jesus is. My God, I got to get this last part. There's a lot in that scripture. But he said, oh, that I may know him. I just want to know God. So pastor, you're saying we're not supposed to give up some things? Are we not supposed to sacrifice some things? I'll say it again. I've come to the conclusion there is no sacrifice in love. There is no sacrifice on that level where there's love. It's just reasonable activity. If loving you is a sacrifice, it's not love at all. Oh, somebody write that down. If loving you, God, is a sacrifice, it's not love at all. It's religion. Greater love hath no man than this, quote it with me somebody, than that he lay down his life for free. So there's a whole lot of laying down and there's a whole lot of releasing and letting go of in a relationship. But it's not a sacrifice. It's based on reasonable actions of love. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, which is, oh my God, something supernatural begins to happen when I start making deposits, deposits in, in, in my relational capital with God. All of a sudden, I'm not holding the knife over a sacrifice to kill something. But the closer I get to him, the more I just lay down. Oh, my God, I'm closing with this. Are you listening to me? God said, quit trying to kill that thing by sacrifice and just start making deposits in relational capital with me. And then all of a sudden, you like Paul, your value system gets turned upside down and you just start laying down some things. Uh... You know, my recorded list of stuff I can watch is real long. I can flip through. Y'all do that? Because I hate commercials. I, do, I will not watch a commercial. But something has happened to us lately that things that used to be appealing to me 
I told Patty, I said, are we about to run out of something to watch? Because we have just laid down. Nobody had to come into my home and say, preacher, you need to quit watching this. You need to quit watching that. And don't, are you following me? But I found out, hear me, teenagers, it ain't supposed to be a struggle. The closer I get to him and you weigh that against him, Paul said, I count that as dung. Poo. Ain't nothing but poo. Compared to the superior privilege of knowing him. Can I tell you now I'm preaching the good news? Eli, it ain't supposed to be a constant fight and struggle. God said, build some relational capital with me. Just start making deposits. What's that mean, preacher? That means just getting along with God. How do you make re relational capital with your girlfriend? Canaan? Coop? You spend time with them. Me and Patty was dating. We had party line back then. Anybody know what a party line is? Y'all don't. Y'all don't even know what a phone is. We had party line. Y'all ever had that? Y'all had phones and strong? <laughs> oh. And I never, I never one time thought, oh, my God, it's, I hadn't called Patty. I better call her. She going to be mad. No, we long for the time I could call her. And we'd stay on the phone so long, we'd run out of things to say. So we'd just breathe. You know what? Every time I went, I was building relational capital. Oh, it is good. Who said that? Thank you. And I, I didn't want to get off the phone. But that old lady down the street wanted to use the phone. She'd pick it up. I'd hear it click. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then hang it up. First they would try to be quiet. But after we talked for about an hour, <coughs> I'm talking about relationship, church. This is what God wants with you. In this altar service, dim the lights just a little bit right there where you're sitting. Maybe you're more religious than you know. I have found out since 2022 came into existence of how religious I really am. Because you can ask my kids that was raised in my home, I am faithful to a fault. I literally gave up my entire family one time. I don't remember how long it was. But because of, I was in one state, pastoring a church that I would have died for. And my family was suffering some things and had to move to another state. But I would not leave a bunch of people that barely knew me for people who really loved me. Because I was dedicated to a fault. It's in my makeup. It may cost me everything. And all of it was under religious duty. Because that's what he expects. You can be faithful to a fault. And Jesus stand over you and say, you're missing something. You're missing this love relationship. Our text today is examine yourself. So today, let's just once again, Sunday number three of examining do you know God? Or do y'all have mutual friends? Is he only a friend because I have friends that knows him much better than I do? And when I want to know something, I glean from my friends. God is saying, I want to be your friend. 
and I want you to encounter me. I want to have an encounter with you. And I don't know what's legal for me to tell you right now, what's not, but I'm telling you I come in here now on a continual basis right by myself and have encounters with God so powerful that I can't get out of the sanctuary. I can't move. I can't operate because he comes so close to me. And in the closeness, I'm learning his character and his nature. And now, Benny, it's like when I come to the word, I come back and see the same scripture from a whole new light, from a love relationship with God. I just want to ask you a question while we're in this spirit right here. Did you know that you can have continual encounters with your God? I'm not talking about spiritual ecstasy in front of a church speaking in tongues alone. I'm talking about did you know that if you'll wait for him in prayer and get out of your religious mindset, he will literally come upon you in a way that'll just undo every religious mindset and you'll fall in love with him? Did you, did you even know it? Or did you think, I got to get to be a part of this church, I got to get in this church and I got to study these scriptures and I got to maintain the status of religion in my life. God is creating a new wine skin because he's about to pour out new wine. Stand with me all over this place. Let's stay in this spirit as Courtney's coming and playing a little something. This is the new wineskin, Life Church, that it's not about your sacrifice. It's about His. It's time to quit holding up your sacrifices as trophies of I did this, this, and this. So now God is either obligated to bless me Or maybe he'll be proud of me today. And somebody is out there saying, are you, are you saying, preacher, we don't, we don't give anything? No, I can't preach it any better and I just preached it. Love lays things down. God don't have to jerk them out of my hand. The closer I get to him, story, it's just like, ugh. I just lay it down. It's not a sacrifice at all because I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in a relationship with Him. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast. 